Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am pleased to be with you this week to talk about a topic that I think will be of real value to those of you that are building your own portfolios and those of you that invest with sponsors like Mara Poling. And that is... How do we make a decision about what deal to buy? How do you avoid buying a bad deal, saying yes to a bad deal? What's that process look like? Well, what I want to share with you this week are the four different ways that can unfold and how we at Mara Polling go about managing that process to make sure that we make the right decision. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And don't hesitate to swing by the Learning Center at marapolling.com for lots of great additional content. All right, let's get into it. So the title of this week's session is it's not the good deal you say no to, it's the bad deal you say yes. So in a nutshell, no investor, whether you're investing passively with a sponsor or you're an active investor and you own your own small portfolio, nobody wants to make a bad investment. So how do you avoid that? How do you not make a bad investment? It's it's more challenging than just saying, well, just look at the investment ahead of time and do your due diligence and just don't make a bad investment. Only invest in good things. That's too binary. We actually see it as a bit of a matrix, a two by two matrix in which there's actually four outcomes, only one of which is valuable. And I want to walk through those four, and we're going to walk through them in a bit of a sequence because there is a priority to the four potential outcomes. And that really, I think, will help everyone understand the method in which we think it makes most sense to go about making an investment decision. Now, I mentioned that this is valuable for those of you that are investing with a sponsor like Mara Poling, just as it's valuable for those of you that are buying properties directly. If you're investing with a firm like Mara Poling, it's really almost two steps, right? It's you want to invest with a good sponsor that's going to do a good job for you, and you want to invest in good deals, good investments that come from that good sponsor. Uh, so almost two bites of the apple, if you will, uh, when you think about the way to make a good decision as a passive investor. And for those of you that are investing in your own portfolios, uh, maybe a little more direct because you're simply looking at the property yourself that you would purchase, um, lots more criteria obviously involved. So uh, let's start with a definition. So I've used the term good deals and bad deals, or good investments and bad investments. Well, that's a very subjective term. So what do I mean by a good deal? Well, 
a good deal is an investment that meets the criteria that the investor has. For us at Mara Polling, that means first and foremost, it's a secure, stable investment. It's the type of asset we want to purchase, which is class B multifamily. It's located in a solid, healthy, uh, economically diverse uh, market. There's opportunities to add value to the asset. The competitive environment supports the rate at which we would make this investment, i.e. the price that we would pay for the asset. And the returns, when adjusted for risk and stress tested, the returns meet the basic criteria that we have, which are fairly modest. Again, not swinging for the fences. Let's put a bunch of singles together. A bad investment certainly would be one where you lose money. But we also don't want to, we not only don't want to lose money, we want to be able to sleep well at night. It doesn't do us any good to eke out a modest return and have everyone's stomach churning every day because we're terrified that we've maybe made the wrong decision. So there's a whole host of factors that fit into the, is this a bad investment? Now, that's, as I said, the way we look at it. Your individual assessment is going to be yours. For you, you may be very focused on a, a high, and by high, I mean, uh, for example, double-digit cash return. If that's truly of importance to you for the particular investment you're looking for, then even an investment that I would call a good investment would be a bad investment for you because the investments I make aren't looking in the initial hold period to generate 12 or 15% cash. Over time, they do, but not in those initial hold periods. All right, so starting with whatever your definition of good or bad is, and I shared with you what ours is, let's walk through the four ways this can work. So you could end up with a good investment or a bad investment. That's one uh, axis of this two-by-two two, uh, matrix. The other is you could say yes to that investment or you could say no to that investment. So from a process standpoint, there's forks in the road. So let's go through and look at each of the ways that could happen, each of the four ways that could happen and then talk a little about each of those. I mentioned that we're going to do this with some sequence, with some priority. And this happens to be the way I wrote them down. Also, when I looked at my notes and was really thinking to myself, well, which one of these really is the best? What's, what's the best quadrant to be in in this two-by-two two matrix? it really was the way I wrote them out, that that just was a natural part of the process. So that's how we're going to start. So what's the most important decision to make? <clears throat> Is it saying yes to a good investment? That would seem very logical, right? That that's, that's where we want to end up. We want to say yes to a good investment. That's what we want. That is not the most important decision. And that can be a trap, a trap that is easy to fall into. It 
it leads to and supports something called confirmation bias, where the data we uncover gets filtered subconsciously by ourselves such that the only lessons we take away from what we learn are that this is a good investment and we should say yes to it because we are trying to find an asset we can say yes to. That is not the most important decision. The most important decision isn't to say yes, but it's to say no, to say no to the bad investment. So let's think about that for a minute. If we start with a mentality that says we want to find a good deal and we're looking for one we can say yes to, then we're certainly going to be looking at properties that we think will fit that criteria, but we're also likely to overlook data that says this is a bad deal because I'm not looking for a bad deal. I'm looking for a good deal. I'm looking to say yes. I'm trying to find reasons to say yes, when what I should be doing is finding reasons to say no. I should be looking at every possible investment I can make from the standpoint of, all right, what's wrong with it? Why should I say no and walk away? When we first identify a potential property that we have interest in, the very first thing we do is go through our list of criteria and try and find one of them or more that it fails at. For example, we might find a very solid asset, great upside, strong competitive environment, and we aren't looking at, but need to be looking at the fact that it's actually not a very economically diverse market or sub-market. Maybe there's one major employer, and that major employer, should something change in the condition of their employment world, significantly impacts that market. If we're focused on saying no First, if that's the first thought in our mind is I'm looking for a reason to say no and walk away so that I can walk away from bad deals, because that's my number one priority is to say no to a bad deal. Then when I see that, I'm going to drill in more there. I'm going to say, all right, this might not be a good deal. Let's learn more about the diversity of the economic environment that we might be investing in or whatever criteria it is that we see that there's an issue to. If some of that still looks like it's plausible, it's like, okay, this might work. We move forward. We go through maybe an LOI. We get to a point where we're doing physical on-site due diligence. That day is probably the best example of what I'm describing. And that is, and this is the conversation we have with every team that we do a due diligence with, because it is not something that teams typically are thinking. Teams go to perform an on-site due diligence where they're going to look at all the lease documents and walk the entire property and look at all the units. They tend to do that with excitement about, oh, we're going to buy this. and Look at all the great things we're going to be able to do. What a wonderful investment this is. 
that is absolutely the wrong attitude to have in our estimation. We train and focus our team so that when we're performing a due diligence, we are looking around every corner to find a reason to say no, to walk away from this deal. Now, by the time due diligence has happened, we've written some checks, we've spent some money, uh, we've made an offer, we're under contract. We stand to lose tens of thousands of dollars, maybe $100,000 or more if we walk, which pales in comparison to losing millions if we actually said yes to a bad deal. So the number one item to focus on in this two by two matrix in these four quadrants is the quadrant where we say no to a bad deal. That has to be job one. Job number two. So what's the second most important thing? This one's going to sound really odd. It's to say no to good deals. All right, Pat, why on earth would you want to say no to a good deal? Well, you're right. It doesn't make a lot of sense to say no to a good deal. And if there was a way to not say no to a good deal, you do that. You would, Who wants to say no and walk away from a deal that ultimately meets all your criteria? But let's go back and look at number one again, saying no to a bad deal. The process of doing that involves reviewing data that we gather, analyzing it, and determining what that means for the ongoing success of that, that property, which is uh, something we forecast in the underwriting tool. If we were able to underwrite with absolute precision, meaning that I would know with 100% certainty that rents at this asset will go up by 5% a year every year for the next five years. If I knew that with certainty, then it would be much more likely that I'd be able to avoid saying no to a good deal. But I don't know that. What I, what I know is about historical performance, and I know about current characteristics of the asset and the market, and I have to make intelligent forecasts. And those forecasts have a degree of conservatism in there. And that's that conservatism of, yes, we think 5% is where how we'll grow, but we're going to underwrite 4%. Now, in that little change, where I'm now underwriting a lower growth rate in revenue, I've now created a space where a property that in fact would perform well, that is in fact a good investment, I've now on paper in the underwrite turned it into a bad investment, one that isn't going to perform. And I'm going to end up saying no. Why is it valuable to do that? The reason it's valuable to do that is because that's what supports us being conservative in our underwriting. If we value not accepting, pardon me, if we value not saying no to a good deal, pardon the double negative there, but that's the way to think about this. If we don't want to say no to good deals, if we want to avoid having a good deal on the cutting room floor, that's going to incent us to be 
more aggressive in our underwriting. That's not going to support us being conservative. And we want to be conservative. So the first step in the entire process is to be skeptical at every turn so that we say no to bad deals. We smoke them out. We find them and we walk away from those deals. In doing so, because we're being conservative in our underwriting, the net we cast to capture bad deals is going to capture some good ones. And so the price of admission for conservative, moderate risk, long-term investing is to be very comfortable with leaving good deals on the cutting room floor. It is absolutely going to happen and should be something that is celebrated. I've looked back at many properties that we've thought about purchasing that we ultimately said no to and seen how they've performed well and thought, fantastic, I'm happy for the people that made that investment. And I slept well every night, not worrying about how that asset was going to perform because I didn't own it. The next step is the step that everybody wants to get to, which is let's say yes to good deals. So that's not the place we start, but it's the place we're getting to, right? Where we can say yes to a good deal because we've weeded out the field. We've taken the bad deals off of the uh, uh, field of opportunity. We've maybe ditched a few good deals along the way. We're getting to that point where we can say yes to a good deal and the way we actually say yes to a good deal, and again, pardon the double negative, is to not say no to a good deal. So what I mean by that is this, is that every step of the process, we are focused on finding a reason to say no and walk away from that acquisition, to kick it out of the funnel so that we don't waste our time on it anymore. We never actually say, that's a good deal, we're going to buy it. What we say is, we have been unsuccessful at finding any reason to not do this deal. And therefore, since we cannot say no by default, we are saying yes. And that decision actually happens pretty much just before we close the transaction. Because at every step in the process, through our initial evaluation, through the initial visit to the property, uh, the negotiation of a contract, the physical on-site due diligence, the ongoing inspections, the work with the lender, our, our lending partner that's so important to us who themselves are identifying issues that they may have concerns about, which are great issues for us to look at. Those are reasons we might walk away. And yes, it gets more and more expensive to walk the closer and closer you get to closing. And if you can't do that, then you are setting yourself up to potentially end up in the fourth quadrant, which is the quadrant that's all black and got a big red X on it and all the rest of these things, which is where you have said yes to a bad deal. That nobody wants to be in that position. No one wants to, again, by definition, remember a bad deal is a deal that doesn't meet your criteria. So <clears throat> pardon me, not what I'm saying a good or bad deal is, but what each of us would say for our own selves None of us want to end up with 
gosh, I made a bad decision. Why? Well, it's obvious, right? Nobody wants to make a bad investment decision and have to deal with that. More importantly, though, this has to deal with the primary drawback. If you were making a list of pros and cons, this is the primary con to being a real estate investor. And that is that real estate is illiquid, meaning it's not liquid. If I buy a share of ABC stock, and I don't mean ABC, the company, I don't think that, that doesn't exist anymore since Disney owns it. Uh, but, you know, the ABC corporation, if I buy a share of that stock and the next morning I wake up and go, oh my gosh, I've made the worst decision in the world. That's not an investment that really fits my particular needs right now. There's a marketplace for me to go sell that, right? I, I go online to my Charles Schwab account or whatever it is I have, and I say, sell that stock. And I might make a few dollars or lose a few dollars, depending upon what happened in the 24 hours since I've owned it, but I can get out of that. So if I make a decision that's ultimately one I deem incorrect, I can get out of it. Let's say I make that decision in three months from now, it's not performing as well. And it's like, yeah, I want to get out of this. I'm going to lose a little money, but I'm getting out. Real estate doesn't work that way. When you make a real estate investment, if you are building your own portfolio and you buy a property and you realize the day after you close or sometime shortly thereafter that, you know what, I shouldn't have done this. At a minimum, it's going to take months to sell that property. And you may or may not get all of your money back. Odds are you would not get it back because you've spent money to acquire it. And if it's a commercial investment, there could be costs associated with selling the asset and paying the loan off. If in fact, the loan couldn't be assumed by a new uh, purchaser, you may have already made improvements to that asset. And if those improvements haven't turned into real value, you can see where this goes. If you make a bad investment, there is great risk in large part because you can't unwind that quickly. Therefore, it is so important to not end up in that fourth quadrant. That is why, in our estimation, the place that everyone should start their acquisition process, the way that we work, the way we would encourage each of you to think about your investments is to start with the notion of, I don't want to make a bad investment. So I am looking for reasons to say no and to not invest. And I'm so committed to that then I'm willing to spill over into that second quadrant, which is where I would say no to something that actually could be a good investment, but because I'm looking at things conservatively and taking a more skeptical approach, it's likely that I'm going to leave some good possibilities on the cutting room floor. All of that in service of me getting to a place where I can say yes to a good investment and I can sleep well at night and have confidence that I'm going to see the, the type of performance that I'd like over a longer period of time. And that keeps me out of the fourth quadrant where I have said yes to a bad deal. So where we end up is 
a different path than what you might think. Again, a a non-investor, uh, a new investor, a novice investor might think, well, my focus needs to be, I want to say yes to good deals. So I need to go find good deals. Well, yes. And when you find a deal, the way to look at it isn't, okay, how can I make sure this is a good deal? Let me look for all the good things. It's to look for the absence of the bad, to look for all the things that could cause problems. And if I can't find one, then maybe I've got a good investment and that makes sense to move forward on. I hope this week's conversation has been valuable. If you have questions about those four quadrants and more specifics of how we do this, if you've got an opportunity that's coming up and you'd like to chat about it, we would love to be a part of that. Shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Thanks for joining us this week. And I look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.